In the year 2000, the roller coaster, the Millennium Force, opened. How many of you have been to Cedar Point before and ridden the Millennium Force? A roller coaster is the coolest thing ever. And so in 2000, it opens for a very short time. It was the largest, fastest roller coaster in the world. And so Chad and I were in college. We hopped in the car. We went to Cedar Point, And there we stood under the monstrosity of this giant roller coaster. It was amazing. We were so excited to get on. I just couldn't wait. I thought, man, this is going to be the most phenomenal thing I have ever ridden in my life. And so we get in line and we wait. I can't remember how long. It was probably really long at that time because it was a brand new roller coaster. And, and we wait and we get in line and we get into the, we get into the carts, the, the, little, uh, the little roller coaster itself, and get excited and you strap in. And if you've ever been on a big roller coaster, like you strap in tighter than you need to because you're thinking, dear Heavenly Father, don't let me fall out of this thing. And so we strapped in as tight as we possibly could. And then all of a sudden we start up the hill and your entire mentality changes. You go from going, I can't wait, this is going to be awesome, the adrenaline rush is high, and you get halfway up that hill, over 300 feet in the air, going about 100 miles per hour, and you think, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Now, I have to admit, once the roller coaster was done, we got right back on it. Like, it was the most phenomenal thing that I had ever written, uh, written up to that point in my life, but... I think the disciples probably felt the same way. In the book of Luke, whenever you read the Lord's Prayer, it starts out with the disciples asking Jesus, teach us to pray. They were not expecting what they got. They had seen the, the Pharisees praying on street corners, and there's this great big... Uh, this, this great big encouragement that comes from outsiders whenever they were praying. It was powerful and it was important and it, and it raised their level. And Jesus didn't give them a prayer like that. Jesus gave them a prayer that was going to bring them to the very point of dependence upon God. As we've gone through this prayer last week, we talk about, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And there, there's a conjunction between these two thoughts for a very important reason. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give us the, sustenances, the sustenance that we need. Give us what we need to be able to move from today to tomorrow to the next day. Give us what we need today to be the people of God that you have called us to be today. And, and once you've done that, Lord, once you've fed us from who you are, now forgive us. You see, when God provides for us, we begin to see that we have a great need for God's forgiveness. But Jesus didn't stop there. That would have been great, right? It would have been perfect. Heavenly Father, forgive us. But Jesus continues that same line. As we forgive those, forgive us as we forgive those. In the book of Matthew, where we find the Lord's Prayer, Matthew uh, gives, us, gives us the word debtors. And Matthew was a tax collector, so it makes perfect sense. He was a money guy. God, forgive us what we owe to you. Forgive us. For we've, we've made gravest errors, and we owe you way more than we could ever pay back. God, forgive us of those things. And help us to forgive people who owe us. 
Luke turns it around. Luke gives us the word for sin or trespasses, which gives us a, a much broader idea of what it means to be forgiven, to be forgiven by God and then for us to turn and forgive others. Forgiveness is really big. It's way bigger than me or, or you. When we think about the word forgiveness, sometimes we think, oh, it's just the simple little easy things. When Chad and I were first, um, when we were in the process of getting married, we went to a premarital class. And in that class, one of the things that they taught us is that whenever we offended each other, whenever we sinned against each other, whenever we hurt each other, that we would say the words, I forgive you. So if Chad would come to me if he had done something that had hurt me and, and, and he would say, I'm sorry, and my response would be, I forgive you. And we practiced that for a long time. And sometimes it took a little longer to say, I forgive you, than, than other times. But now, after 20 years of marriage, it's pretty easy because I know Chad's heart. He doesn't have a desire to hurt me or to offend me or to upset me. Usually, what happens is by mistake. Or maybe in a moment of excitement or, or, or passionate feelings towards whatever he feels, um, he'll say something or do something quick to apologize. But forgiveness doesn't always come in packages so easy and nice and tidy. A lot of times our hurts run deep, and the people who have offended us are not sorry for what they have done. So what do we do in those moments? How do we live out, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us? Will you stand this morning from the reading, for the reading of God's word from the book of Luke, chapter 23? Are you guys awake this morning? Could you just smile? Perfect. Oh, we even got some laughter. Good deal. It's kind of a sleepy morning with the snow out. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Now, a little bit of preface here. You guys are going, that's a really weird place to start a passage. I know it is. It's fine. We're going to be okay. Um, so we're in the middle of Jesus' crucifixion, all right? So Jesus is being led out to be crucified, and we're starting here with the two others, both criminals, who were led out to be executed alongside Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his, his clothes by throwing dice. And the crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. Is this really God's Messiah, the chosen one? The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? 
We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. We're going to start with the second forgiveness and work back to the first because in all honesty, the second one's just easier. It's a lot easier to deal with the fact that you have criminals on a cross, one of whom sees Jesus for who he really is. Jesus, the Messiah. You see, when Christ came, he came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. That was the entire purpose of Jesus' ministry. I want to seek out those who are lost, and I want to bring them into a saving experience with God. I want to save them from their sins, from their lifestyle of brokenness. I want to free them from slavery. That's what I am called to do. And so Jesus, with his very dying breaths, gets to do exactly what he came to do. We can all see ourselves in the position of that second criminal on the cross. See, we've all been found guilty. It's very interesting. You look back at that passage in Luke, and the very first verse that we read said, and Jesus was hung by two people who were what? They really were criminals. You've got Jesus, who is innocent, hanging between two men who really were guilty. And we have no idea what this guy was guilty of. It could have been murder or rape. It could have been stealing. We don't know. We have no clue what his sin was, but in that moment, Jesus doesn't bring it up because it's not important. It's not important. What that guy had done in the past that ended up costing him his life was not important in that moment because Jesus' mission was not to convict him. Jesus' mission was to seek and to save the lost. And so there he is hanging next to this criminal. This criminal who got it when nobody else did. He was completely undeserving. But Christ forgave him anyways. Aren't you thankful today? Isn't that us? I mean, that's exactly us. If we got out a piece of paper now and just began to list off all of the sins that we've committed in our entire lives, the list would take up this entire sanctuary and maybe more. The offenses, the brokenness, the hurt that we have caused others, our debts, our sins, our trespasses listed out in black and white, it would fill up this place. But Jesus came to forgive all of that. That was his mission. Jesus came on a mission of forgiveness and redemption. And that's still his mission today. We get to live in the beauty of a forgiving God who comes about and says, you know what, I know all your junk, but here I'm not going to bring it up in this moment. That's not what this is about. This is about your forgiveness. This is about me and you 
being in paradise together. This is about the redemption of your soul. And many of us wonder, actually, there's multiple passages in Scripture. It's really hard to preach on forgiveness and not bring up a thousand passages in the New Testament because there are so many passages on forgiveness. Jesus doesn't care if it's with your dying breath that you come to him or with one of your very first breaths. He's there waiting to receive you, to forgive you, to bring you into relationship with him. I tell people the benefits. The benefits of coming to Christ earlier in your life is that you get to start living eternity now. You see, eternity doesn't start when we die. We get that, we, we're so messed up in our thinking. We think someday, oh, well, you know, when I die and go to heaven. No, if we believe that we are truly saved in Christ now, then our eternity begins today. We are new in Christ today. Our life is everlasting starting today, not our physical bodies, but our mortal souls, immortal souls. We get to live with Christ forever. That is his desire. And King David understood the power of forgiveness. You see, this man was known as a man of God, the very stump from which Jesus would come, from the lineage of King David. But this man was, he was guilty. He was guilty, guilty of adultery, not just adultery, but with his best friend. And not just adultery with his best friend, his best friend who he then had killed. David knew what it was like to sin and to screw up. He very easily could have been that man guilty, hanging next to Christ. David wrote a series of beautiful psalms. Psalm 32 is one of us, one of them. This, this psalm helps the clearest of guilt. It gives us great joy. I think we have it up here. King David said, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sins, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Ever been there? Holding on to your sin? Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. We, we feel the, the weight, the heaviness of the guilt. Oh, but there is a God who forgives us. This last week, we had prayer stations, and it was just this amazing, powerful time of prayer in the sanctuary. For those, who you, those of you who were able to make it. And one of the stations that spoke to me the most was one that was just right over here. And there were washable markers and, and on your hand, which is really cool. Think about Jesus' nail-pierced hands. On your hand, you wrote down maybe the name of someone that you needed to forgive. Or an offense that you needed to forgive a grudge that you had been holding, and then there were wipes there. You'd pray over your very hand and then take the wipes and clean them off. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking out the window at the snow, and I'm thinking, 
Yeah, our sin is like crimson. But God makes us white as snow. Through the power of forgiveness, God has taught us how to forgive. See, there's this leap that we make from being forgiven to being a people of forgiveness. That's where it gets hard. That's where it gets hard. Us accepting the the gift of forgiveness from God, oh, what a great and glorious gift it is. But then we turn around, and if we are to be like Christ, we then are to be a people of forgiveness, and that is the tough part. We go back to Jesus' first words of forgiveness that were given on the cross. They weren't to a, a, a group of men who were even asking for forgiveness or seeking repentance. This group of people had intentionally and purposefully nailed Jesus to a cross, ending his mortal life. On purpose. 100%. They beat him with whips of lead that stripped the skin from his body. They pounded a crown of thorns into his brow. They draped him in royal robes and beat him, begging him to prophesy, who's hitting you now? They stripped him of everything. Everything. Anything that could have given Jesus honor or dignity, they took every last ounce of it. It was gone. When Judas realized his mistake, he went back offering the coins back to those who had paid him to turn Jesus in. And even then they said, this is blood money. We can't put it back in the temple. The religious people realized that they were guilty, but they didn't care. In their minds they knew, but in their hearts they just wanted Jesus dead. Because he threatened their way of life. They rejoiced in the death of God's very own son. And even though they took away everything, everything from Christ, they could not take away his power to forgive. In those moments in life where we feel like we have been offended or abused or hurt or neglected, that wrong has been done to us, that is beyond repair, that we have been verbally nailed to a cross, we've been stripped of our dignity and of our honor, and it feels like there is no hope, we have nothing left They've taken everything from me. I want to encourage you that you still have the power to forgive. They can't take that from you. Jesus turns and and he prays this prayer as he's nailed to a cross, as he is dying. He prays the prayer of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. 
They don't know what they're doing. Yes, they did. They knew exactly what they were doing, Jesus. Oh, no, but no, they didn't. They didn't realize the depth of the mistake that they were making. They didn't see past their own selfish ways to see that they were affecting permanently what God had brought about. They were ending Christ's physical life. Jesus came to create a path of salvation through repentance and forgiveness, not self-preservation. Again, Jesus came to create a path of repentance through forgiveness, giving us the ability to come to him and to be forgiven, but did not come with the tag, I also have to preserve myself. You see, forgiveness came with a great and ultimate sacrifice. Forgiveness is risky. It's hard. It's difficult. And in all honesty, we just feel like we have a right to live in our unforgiveness. Pastor Rachel, you don't know what that person did to me. You're right, I don't. I don't have any idea, but I know what's been done to me. Christ doesn't call us to a life of forgiveness so that the guilty can get off scot-free. You see, if God's heavy hand is upon us when we are guilty, how much more is the heavy hand upon God, of God upon those who are guilty as well? God's heavy hand doesn't leave the guilty. He continues to do that. But in his desire to teach us about forgiveness, there is also this desire to set us free. He wants to set you free. Because unforgiveness has you bound up in chains. You live in a place of, of frustration, of holding on to grudges, of torment, of brokenness, of righteous anger. You hold on to those things, and they are keeping you captive. Christ wants to set you free. And how does he do that? Through the power of forgiveness. The Mayo Clinic was... Uh, was at one of the very first hospitals in the United States. It, uh, it helped to, through hope and faith and science, they believe that God can heal and that he does that through science as well. And so the Mayo Clinic is, has worked for a very long time, and they put out this phenomenal article about forgiveness, which I thought was really interesting that a hospital is talking about the importance of forgiveness. And so as I'm reading through this article, I'm, I'm seeing all of these points, and I was like, oh, yeah, somebody's been reading their Bible. It doesn't mention any scripture in the entire article, but I'd encourage you to look it up. If you look up Mayo Clinic Forgiveness, you'll find this article that's there. And they said forgiveness is not just important because of our, our, um, our ability to forgive others. Like, it's not just important because we should do it. 
It actually has physical benefits for us. So whenever we are holding on to grudges, we're holding on to anxiety, onto, onto hatred. It says that your body responds to that. The many people who are willing to unforgive end up with low self-esteem, serious heart issues, immune deficiency disorders, high blood pressure, anxiety, hostility, stress, severe mental health issues. Forgiveness physically affects our bodies. But when we forgive, all of these things are turned around. It's amazing how your body responds. When we forgive, our burdens are lifted. Anxiety is put to rest. Can lower blood pressure, decrease symptoms of depression. You can live longer if you forgive people. That's crazy. Maybe not. It's amazing what forgiveness does. So I, have a, I have a short video that I'd like to show you. It's, uh, it actually is um, a, it, it's just a minute long, but it is the building of, um, of the New River Gorge Bridge in West Virginia. So I'd like, I'd like for you to see that one. I grew up not too far from the New River Gorge Bridge. I think there's a picture, too, if you wouldn't mind throwing it up there, of the finished product. Um, I, I grew up in southern West Virginia. I uh, went to church about 10 minutes from the New River Gorge, and we, uh, we, were, uh, we, we spent lots of time uh, around the New River Gorge Bridge. Anybody ever rafted the New River before? Yeah, a handful? Of, okay, all right. Okay, really raise your hand. Have you ever rafted the New River so I can see? Okay, yeah, that's a good number of people. We should do it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. We'll just take the whole church and we'll all go rafting. Um, and the New River Gorge is, is fantastic. And this, this bridge that was built in the 1970s was built with a very specific purpose of, of going over the New River Gorge. Um, the New River Gorge Bridge is the largest arched bridge in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, it's, it's gigantic, over 3,000 feet in length and 900 feet high. It's, it's beautiful and majestic, and in the fall, there is nothing more marvelous than seeing this New River Gorge Bridge. It's beautiful, and I'm a little bit prejudiced because I grew up there, and the trees in the fall and the foliage, and the, oh, it's just absolutely marvelous. The... The New River Gorge Bridge was built for a very important purpose. It was to get people across the gorge faster. So before it was built, you would go and have you, have you heard of a butt kiss turn before? We got a lot of those down in West Virginia, all right? Um, and so don't be grouchy with me because I, I said that. You're going to be fine. So, so we, you start going down this mountain, and it's so very steep that the turns are so sharp to get you back down this mountain. And so you start down the mountain, and I've taken this road before, so it's, I mean, it's, it's very tedious. So you drive back and forth around the bends, especially if there's trucks down there. It would be on whatever that show is, talks about the most dangerous roads in the world or whatever. That would, it would be on it in the wintertime, I think, now. But, and the trucks, I mean, everything had to go down this gorge, and then you'd get to the very, very bottom, and there was this little tiny, uh, this little tiny bridge that was down at the bottom of the gorge. And you'd cross this little Fayette Bridge, which is in Fayette County, Fayetteville, West Virginia, and then you'd make your way back up the mountain. It's exhausting. 
Like, it's fun if you think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this because it'd be a neat day trip. It is a neat day trip, and there's lots of trails off of it. It's really cool to be able to go and just have a good time. But if you are trying to get from one place to another, you are not going to take the hour journey down into the gorge and back up the other side on these tight, winding roads. You're going to take the bridge because it takes one minute. It's way easier to take the bridge than it is to go way down into the gorge. It's tedious driving. It's frustrating at times. You have to pull off the side of the road and wait for trucks to come and pass you. But you don't have to do it. Some genius came up with the idea of building a bridge across the gorge, and there with the steel frames, they built this giant arch. You see, the bridge to forgiveness is a lot like the New River Gorge Bridge. In the video that we saw, Jesus, death on the cross, put those last few arches in place to hold up this magnificent infrastructure of forgiveness for us. The bridge is built. It's solid. It's beautiful. It's a little bit scary, especially if you're afraid of heights. But it takes us from being a people who are struggling in our sin right across to being a forgiven people. If you're holding on to a grudge today, if you're struggling to forgive others, you are standing on one side of the New River Gorge. And you have a couple of options. You can look across the gorge, and you can go, this bridge to forgiveness that Christ has built is the best way to get across. It's the fastest way to get me from this place to the next, from my brokenness to my healing. I can accept this beautiful gift of forgiveness that God has offered to me, and I can offer it to others, whether they're interested in it or not. And I can continue on my journey of following Christ, not hindered by this mess, not hung up in the detriment of grudge and unforgiveness. Or you can choose to drive down into the gorge, and I can promise you it's going to be really time-consuming. It's going to take a whole lot of energy. It's going to take way more gas than it would have taken to just get across the bridge in an easy manner in the first place. You're going to be really irritated all the way down because the turns are tight. You're going to be even more irritated when you have to stop along the way for others to pass you. You get down to the bottom of the bridge, to the bottom of the gorge, and you think it's almost over, but then you've got an uphill battle. You can live in your unforgiveness and be miserable, or you can cross the bridge of forgiveness that Christ is offering today, and you can find healing and hope, and it's totally up to you. It's totally up to you. I'd like for us just to take a moment as you bow your heads and close your eyes. First, I'd like for you to ask yourself today, is there anything that I need to seek forgiveness for from God? Is there anything in my life where I've, I've broken his trust, where I've sinned against him? 
promise you today that there is a God who is waiting He's already done all the work. All you have to do is ask. Forgiveness is waiting. Is it possible today that you are living in a state of unforgiveness? Who are you mad at? Who has hurt you? Are you willing to cross the bridge of forgiveness and freedom today, forgiving the sins of that person, even if they're not in your estimate? Are you going to choose the day to continue driving down a mess of roads in a deep gully? I hope you choose forgiveness. Oh, God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much today for your rich forgiveness that has freed us from the bondage of sin and death. And God, we ask today if there is anything, any sin that we've committed against you, will you forgive us today our sins? Help us to live reconciled lives with you, oh God. Help us to not end up back in those places of sin, but to end up in right relationship with you. In the same way, O oh Lord, will you help us to forgive? We thank you for the bridge that you built over the chasm of hurt, of sin, of brokenness. Help us today, O oh God, to choose that. Forgive those who have offended and hurt us. Encourage our hearts and lives in you today, O oh Christ. And again, we just thank you for the forgiveness that you have given to us. We pray all these things in your name today. Amen. Will you stand with me today for the benediction? Before we, before we say the Lord's Prayer together, I just want to encourage you again. I, I feel like we're not done. <laughs> I feel like there's still work to do, and I'm not sure what that means, but this is what I want you to know. If there is unforgiveness in your heart and you need somebody to work through this with you, please come see me. Go see Pastors Matt or Miranda. Let us help walk you through this. And sometimes the forgiveness that you need to offer is way bigger than you feel like you have the capacity to even tackle. Because there are offenses that are far greater than our, for our ability to even begin to understand or comprehend them. Know that there are people that want to walk alongside you in that. This idea of forgive us this day, forgive us as we forgive those, us and we is the terminology that's used there. You don't have to do it alone. We're in it together. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive their debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.